Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome one and all to this very special Sunday here at GPC because it is Children's Sunday. Every year we set aside a special day where we invite our children to participate in worship and to help lead us in worship and to help us remember that key, key verse in Matthew 19 where Jesus welcomes children to him. All those adult disciples back then were trying to shoo the kids away, and Jesus said, absolutely not. Bring them on, bring them to me, because the kingdom of heaven is made up of such as these. And so we welcome the participation of children in our service, not only today, but on so many other occasions, and we're grateful for this day and for all that it means uh, in the life of our church, and especially in their lives as these growing disciples. So welcome one and all to this worship on Children's Sunday Welcome especially to those of you who are worshiping with us online. We're delighted that you're worshiping with us online, that you're joining us from our, our new sanctuary here at GPC, that you're joining us on this day. And you know, of course, that if you're watch, watching with us online, you can download the bulletin, and it's there on the church website. You can download a PDF of the bulletin. You can follow along, and you can join us, and you can do everything at home that we're doing here uh, at church, here at GPC, and we invite everybody to join together in spirit, and we invite everybody to join together in truth and love, no matter where you may be worshiping from this morning. Please do sign the online friendship pad. You'll see that again, uh, a box at the center of the website that will say uh, online friendship pad, and please sign that, and it's been great to see the, the number of people, increasing number of people each week who are watching from home who are signing that and who are letting us know of your presence with us online. The staff sees that. We read over those names. We pray over those names. And it's just such a, such a helpful reminder to us of everybody who's watching and joining us from afar. So please sign the friendship uh, pad that's online. As we gather here in our makeshift sanctuary this morning, which will be our sanctuary for the foreseeable future, um, I invite you to know, of course, that there is an exit that you came in that's uh, the entrance and exit, and there's an emergency exit on the far end of the uh, east wall there, the southeast wall. There's an emergency exit down there. Not that we're going to need it, but if we do, you know where it is. And otherwise, after the service, please uh, let our ushers guide you out so that we don't have this sort of mass uh, clump of people trying to get through the gauntlet. At the same time, um, please do just wait. Uh, our ushers will direct you out. It'll be uh, decently and in order and safe and healthy. So we'll do that on the way out. Friends, you will see, if you're here worshiping with us, you'll see a Lenten devotional 
uh, bag, a booklet, a packet there as you came in. You'll see these purple bags. And they're uh, filled with several important things. First and foremost, there is a Lenten devotional booklet in here for people of all ages. There's one that uh, is for adults that's got morning and evening prayers and readings there for you, written by our own pastor, Susie Wiggins. There is material in there for uh, children. There's material uh, in there for uh, youth as well. And, so, and there's other things in here also, some uh, GPC goodies are in here too. And so I know you want all of the above. So please do pick up your Lenten devotional packet on the way out. If you're worshiping with us at home today, these uh, packets, these bags, which include the GPC logo on them, these are uh, available in the Activity Center lobby. You can come by any time during the week and pick those up, and it will enhance our journey through Lent together as a congregation as we join in these readings and in these prayers and these things we are doing to keep us unified, to keep us engaged with each other as we move through this season of Lent. So please pick up your Lenten devotional packets. How many French fries can you eat in one sitting? I don't know the answer to that question for myself, but there are some people who might find out later on this afternoon. The French fry guy food truck is coming this evening for our youth group. And he will be coming uh, after they gather at 4 o'clock. And they'll be, uh, they'll be uh, Christopher will direct us to the right place for fun, for games, for activities. And then the, the usual uh, lesson time, the Bible, Scripture, Bible study time. And then the French fry guy food truck. I happened to look on the menu last night because I'm like, what is a French fry guy going to serve other than French fries? And you would not believe the amazing concoctions, culinary concoctions that he has come up with to add French fries to everything. And it's, it's going to be incredible. So please come, youth, 4 o'clock, stay for the lesson, Bible study, and then um, we'll have the French fry guy at about 6 o'clock. And at the same time, our evening worship will be going on in here at 6 p.m. And we invite everybody to come back in person or online and join us for our contemporary worship here this evening. And uh, just a quick note to say, yes, it's warm in here. You may have already noticed that. Um, and so we'll get all the temperatures and everything regulated as we move on throughout this worship experience in here. But um, if you have to shift and move around a little bit, uh, that's okay. And that's going to be fine. We'll get the temperature right as we move forward. Save the date for Nakomi. This is going to be a great weekend for our church family, and it's a church-wide retreat. It's for people of all ages. It's for the young, and it's for the young at heart. And it's going to be so much fun, April 30th through May 2nd. And I invite you to fill in the survey that's gone out through various email links, and you can find it on the church website. There's a survey that you can fill out. Our Congregational Life Committee will be taking that survey and helping us uh, uh, determine our programming based on the survey, but I think you're going to have so much fun, and, and I don't know exactly when the sign-ups are going out, but soon, and maybe part of that survey. And so please do take the survey, uh, mark your calendars for that weekend, young and older and young at heart and everybody. We really want this to be a special year at Nakomi because we had to miss last year, and Nakomi has been such an essential part of this church's identity going back longer than most of us in here can remember. And so we want it to be a great weekend this year, and it will be, thanks to our Congregational Life Committee 
and all that the planning is uh, going on for that. So very quickly, uh, before we begin our worship service, yes, just a quick update on our flood uh, damage. You can go in there into the sanctuary. It's been roped off where you shouldn't walk, but you can go in there if you're worshiping with us. You can go in there and take a look. All of the pews have been removed. In fact, they're behind this group uh, in the activity center here. Uh, the carpet has been removed, um, various walls all around the affected area upstairs and downstairs have been uh, cut out and the insulation, all the waterlogged stuff has been removed, furniture has been saved and so the drying out is just about complete and now starts the recovery and the reconstruction work that will take a few months, we don't know exactly how long, so, uh, a few months, that's the best best uh, guesstimate that we can offer anybody. But it'll take a little while, but meanwhile, we will continue to worship God every week. We're going to continue to gather for Sunday school, continue to do all these things that make us the church community that we are, and we'll do so with gladness and adoration for God in our hearts because we still get to be together as a congregation. And so that's where we are, and there'll be regular communication updates coming out um, as the weeks go on, and you'll see different pictures, different reports, and if you have any thoughts, concerns, any ideas, uh, I know Patty Bradford is here. She's the chair of the Buildings and Grounds Committee. What a great year to be chair of that committee. It just happened to fall under, for such a time as this. God has raised you up. Um, uh, Patty, myself, um, Fred Turvery, others, but we're grateful for our leadership and for everybody who will see us through this particular time. Friends, those are all of our announcements. Now let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God.
This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Please join me in our call to worship. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob shall honor and revere God. For God has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted ones. God has not hidden his face but has listened to everyone's cry for help. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will offer praise. May your hearts live forever. God is merciful and just. God is full of grace and truth. Let us tell the truth about ourselves as we confess our need for God's grace. Let us pray. Let us pray that prayer again, please, with Jacob leading us. Holy God, in this season of Lent, we pray for you for your spirit of truth to be with us. Help us to know your truth. Help us to tell the truth about our sin. Help us to live the true truth of your love. We confess that we often hide in shadows of lies. We tell the lives for personal gain, responsibility, and to exaggerate our importance. As we repent from our sin, we pray for the Christ, the way, the truth, and the life to be our guiding light. Forgive us in his name, we pray. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. God's goodness knows no bounds. God's mercy is rich and deep. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, I declare to you that we are forgiven in his name. Amen. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And also with you. As our children come forward, I remind you to please remember everyone in our church family. Pray for them and extend your love to them on this day. Please call your friends in Christ and check on them and their well-being. Thank you all for being present today to support our children. This is the generation that must put on their armor of God. But it will be so much easier for them to take the cultural path, the anything goes path, the whatever makes you happy path. So children of God... I read to you from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of the evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you stand, and after you have done everything, to stand.
Let us pray. Dear God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to shine in our hearts. Give us light to see your goodness and truth. Teach us in what we read and hear. May we know your will for us in these readings from the Holy Scripture. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our first reading from the Hebrew Scriptures this morning comes to us from the book of Genesis, chapter 17, verses 1 through 7, and then verses 15 through 17. Let us hear God's word to us this morning. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God said to Abram, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she will give rise to nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, can a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Can Sarah, who is 99, 90 years old, bear a child? Our New Testament lesson this morning comes from Romans chapter 4. It is Paul's commentary on uh, this story with Abraham. He, in the New Testament within the early Christian church, is going to help us understand uh, what this means, this covenant of grace, and what it means not only with it start with Abraham way back in those years ago, but as it continues in through the New Testament, the early church, and then as it continues in through us in our day. Hear these words from Romans 4. Hoping against hope, Abraham believed that he would become the father of many nations. According to what was said, so numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God 
being fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised, therefore his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words, it was reckoned to him, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Before the sermon, just a note of um, uh, how heartening it is, how encouraging it is to see so many of our children up here singing. Um, that, that inspires me to think about the resiliency of all of our young families and what they've been through in the last year and school at home and some school in person and some hybrid and um, all that it takes to raise kids right now and then put COVID on top of that. And so I am so grateful for every family that's here and we are praying for you. Our program staff prays for you every week and we are so grateful for your children and what they mean for this church. And I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, all the, all the stuff that happens to come in here and to worship and to see those kids singing and to see our young families out here, it is, it is meaningful beyond belief. And to think about our children's area downstairs and even more resiliency as we've moved most of the classes of the young people I see upstairs and the young parents class upstairs as well. So resiliency is the name of the game, but this is going to end one day. It's going to end, but until then, God is good, and God is faithful, and so are you, and I'm grateful for that. You may have heard this saying, I know you have, if you didn't laugh, you'd probably cry. You have heard that saying. I thought you might have, and so it is with our damage control here at GPC over the last week or so. I mean, it's just true. Anytime you see places that are special to you, whether that's our sanctuary, our church home, or for you personally, whether it's your own home, or to get really personal, the home that is your body, all these homes in which we live, when you see one of your homes get damaged and get hurt, then it does hurt, and it does sting. We suffer injury, and yet, and yet, and yet, we come back to the promise of God, so many promises. This one I've been reading a lot this week from Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, they will not overwhelm you. That God's protection gives us perspective always. God's protection gives us perspective on everything we go through, always, everything. And you know that's true for you as an individual in your own home. It's also true for us corporately in this body of Christ, in our home that is the GPC campus, in our life together. If God is for us, who can stand against us? Nobody. Nobody. One of the most encouraging things that's come my way this week has been the sheer number of other worshiping bodies, other churches that have contacted me to tell me that they've been praying for us this week. I got contact, so I know that the elders, the session of Idlewild Presbyterian and the session of Independent Presbyterian prayed for us during their session meetings. Also know that members of Second Pres prayed for us at some midweek gathering because they texted me saying, hey, I heard about your flood. We were praying for you at church today. All these other churches, St. George's across the street, Dorothy Wells called me to send all kinds of love our way. And if we need to use their facilities, if we need anything, then St. George's across the street has offered their care and their love. 
Micah Greenstein at Temple Israel called and said, hey, I want you to know that our flock is praying for you. And I said, thank you, thank you. Churches in at least five other states contacted me to say, how can we help? We're praying for you. We're praying for you. And of course, so many of our own members, so many of you right here, other people worshiping at home, you have helped put all of this in great perspective. Loving your church home, knowing that if you don't laugh, then you might cry. I've received words of encouragement along with the perspective of humor. And so let me just share with you, here's a couple, here's a sample of some of our GPCers. If you didn't laugh, you'd probably cry comments I got this week. Hey, Will, looks like we've become a Baptist church because we've undergone a total immersion. Hey, do you think we could stock that pond in the sanctuary and go fishing every week? It's really cold. If that freezes, we'll have GPC skate night here in our ice skating rink. Maybe Jesus could turn all that water into wine. And then I said to that person, we have an AA group that meets every day at noon under the chapel. Maybe you want If all that water is in the sanctuary, does that make it holy water? Yeah, okay. Knock, knock. No, really, knock, knock. Water. What are you waiting for? Let's go to church. I could go on and on. <laughs> I really could go on and on. But thank you for that perspective. Thank you for that perspective. I've got more, but for the sake of our stomach, stomachs, I will stop there. But it's good to laugh sometimes, isn't it? Now, did you catch? Did you catch Abraham laughing in this reading? Through verse 17, Abraham laughs. He laughs and he laughs and he laughs. He was laughing at God, which is always a kind of a questionable thing to do, but he does it here. Now, let's look at the whole perspective of this story. God comes to Abraham and says, I am El Shaddai in the Hebrew. I am El Shaddai, which means God Almighty. Literally, it means I am God of the mountains, the most powerful God. Now, it's interesting. Now, again, context here. In ancient days, in those ancient cultures, people believed that the gods lived, of course, in the mountains. So you remember from Greek mythology, Mount Olympus, for example, Zeus, Hera, all the Greco-Romans lived on Mount Olympus. Mountains for ancient people, I mean, think about it. No airplanes to fly over them, no satellites, of course. Mountains for ancient people were impassable. They were just impassable. They were so large. I mean, you couldn't climb to the top of those mountains. They were so tall. They were impassable. They were majestic. They were totally out of reach. And so that's where the gods lived, in the mountains. People back then would set up all kinds of shrines to all of the little gods, set up shrines on the hilltops and on the mountains because they were closer to the gods in the mountains. Now, you may remember this great psalm. Psalm 121 begins by saying, I lift up my eyes to the, to the hills, to the mountains. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Well, of course you would, because that's where all the gods live, right? In the hills. From where will my help come? Will my help come from those little gods, from all those gods who live up there in the mountains? Little gods like Baal or Molech or Zeus or whomever? No, 
My help comes from the Lord. And why is the Lord better than all those other gods? Because the Lord made heaven and earth. He is the only God, the only real God of the mountains, the only God, the only true and living God is powerful. This El Shaddai God Almighty, every other little God you can imagine, conjure up in your heart, every other little God you could serve in a shrine and worship, none of them compare to El Shaddai God Almighty. God appears to Abraham. Now, we have to look at this great play on words that's in this text here because it's fascinating. The, the, the writer is just, is just brilliant here because there's a great play on words about Abraham falling down on his face. Now, the second time he does this, he falls down on his face and he laughs. He laughs. Not only chuckles, he not only laughs until he snorts, he falls down laughing. Now, there's a great play on words here. You have to dig into this text to see it. But the great Hebrew phrase here, nephal panim, means he fell down on his face. And it occurs twice in this scene. The phrase implies bending over so fast that you face plant. You just go down on the ground, face planting. You can look up face planting on YouTube videos and see epic face plants. Face planting is not a modern phenomenon. It happened in the ancient days. You can see it right here with Abraham in the Old Testament. He falls down on his face when God comes into his presence. That's the first time he falls down on his face. God comes into his presence. Now, that's actually quite an appropriate response to God Almighty. God Almighty shows up in your life and you will fall down on your face. You will bow down. We are overwhelmed out of fear and reverence by Almighty God. God is that good. God is that holy. God inspires fearful love within us. Loving obedience within us. Abraham bows before God. And then at some point he, he stands up, he rises, and he listens to God make this most extraordinary promise. And it's really incredible, this extraordinary promise that God uses in the context of even more extraordinary word. An extraordinary concept that God enters into this relationship with Abraham, this word covenant. Covenant. One of the most important words in the whole Old Testament. I will establish my covenant with you, God says to Abraham. Now, our sermon series for this, this season of Lent is about covenantal theology. It's about the covenant, and it is this incredible, serious word in the Old Testament. It's found also in the New Testament. It's this great word that the Bible uses to describe what kind of relationship that God enters into with us. A covenant. A covenant. We saw this word last week. Kirsten introduced us to this word last week when she talked about the Noah covenant. It was in that story. It's in this story with Abraham. We'll see it next week with God and the whole Israelite people and this great communal covenant that God enters into. The Old Testament is this series of fantastic covenants that God enters into with His people. This great relationship, a series of relationships until God gets to the new covenant, the covenant that He establishes with us through Christ. It is this start with Abraham and that we trace our faith, our heritage as Christians, Abraham in that covenant 
all the way through all of these covenants until God reaches this great covenant in which we live, this covenant of grace through Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at covenant for the next several weeks. Kirsten reminded us last week the difference between a contract and a covenant. Contracts, think about this, contracts, aren't they? They are used between people for very utilitarian purposes. Anybody in here ever enter into a contract in their business? Yes. Anybody ever enter into a contract with their home? Absolutely. If you have a mortgage or insurance or anything else, we are in, we are in and around contracts all the time. We're in these contracts all the time. If you do this for me, I'll do that for you. If you supply this, then I'll pay you that. Do you know what the shortest part of any contract usually is? It's that quid pro quo part. That this for that part. It's usually pretty simple to define. You pay this, I'll deliver that. Do you know what the longest part of all contracts are? The penalties. The penalties. What happens if one party doesn't deliver or doesn't pay or breaks faith in that contract? What happens when, in other words, sin intervenes? Now, I doubt you're going to see that word sin in any kind of business contract. You're not going to see that word, but, but that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. What happens when someone breaks their commitment or breaks their promise? When good relations between individuals or companies, when it breaks down through sin, what are the penalties? It happens professionally. It happens personally. Sin intervenes and breaks down those contracts, which is why it's so good to see that a covenant is so different. A covenant is so different. God comes to us and God says, I am delivering this to you and you don't even know you need it. This is our relationship. This is who I am. This is who you are. And this is who I will be for you. God comes to us and does that. Very special, very unique. God comes to Abraham and says, I'm establishing a covenant with you. It will be for you and all the generations of your family who follow after you, after Sarah, through Isaac, all the way down the line. This amazing relationship. So I, I want to quickly go through two things about the nature of a covenant that are just absolutely essential for us to understand as we move through this series. One is the unconditionality of God's covenant, and the other is the eternality of them, or the fact that they are not bound by time. Unconditionality and eternality. First, unconditionality. God's covenant relationship with us is, is unconditional. There are no conditions that we have to meet before God says, Okay, now I'll love you. Now I will provide for you. Now I'll be your God. There are no circumstances. There are no promises you have to make. There are no behaviors. There are no deliverables that we have to do before God says, now I will love you and be your God. Now, I don't know if you can hear how radical that is, how amazingly graceful that is. We all live with contracts that are conditional in every stage of our life. Even marriage, even marriage is conditional love. If you really drill down and look at the vows, even marriage is conditional. But all of these other covenant relationships, they're unconditional with God. 
A covenant with God is this relationship of grace, this sheer, undeserved, unmerited, unbelievably free love, this forgiveness from the creator of the universe that's given to each and every single one of us. Think about that. Given to each and every single one of us. God says, it's yours because I love you already. Because I'm already merciful to you. Because I already accept you. We will be in a covenant relationship. No conditions under which God should have chosen Abraham and Sarah. No conditions under which God should choose you or me. I mean, think about Abraham and Sarah. God didn't choose them because they were really worthy and they were very righteous. God didn't choose them because they were wealthy not because they were super faithful. Abraham, Abraham didn't even know who God was. God was a stranger to Abraham before God came to him. God keeps introducing himself to Abraham, reminding Abraham who he is, because Abraham doesn't know. And friends, there was a time in each one of our lives when God was a stranger to us. It's, it's just true, even if you grow up, even if you grow up like these great kids. You grow up in a church or maybe you come to faith later on in your life. God comes to each one of us while God is still a stranger to us. Romans says while we were still alienated from God, God comes to us and says, I claim you in this covenant relationship. And you know what Abraham and Sarah do in some places. We know it's not because they were super good and super righteous. They, they lie in some places. They are jealous they have incredibly harmful thoughts and actions toward other people, like Hagar and Ishmael. They send them out of the desert to die. They're very human in their emotions and in their sin. But God's grace is unconditional. And God just comes to them and offers them mercy and, and offers them this promise. This promise that they will have a child. This is the other piece of this unconditional element of God's covenant. You know, they're both, they are way too old to have a child. They're just way too old. It's impossible. It would take something miraculous for God to keep this promise. It's just not possible. This condition of Abraham and Sarah's homes, their bodies, in this late stage of their game, they're in the fourth quarter. There is no way they can have a child. But God sees beyond their conditions. And you and I have to remember that God sees beyond our conditions as well. Wherever you are in this life, whatever circumstances you may be in now or some other time in the future, they may seem so dire and impossible to you, but God is there. God knows that on your horizon, God can provide hope in impossible circumstances. All those impossible situations in your life, they're under the sway and the power of God Almighty. God can do anything. Maybe that's hard for you to believe, and so maybe you laugh. Abraham laughed, not because he was happy. He laughed because he was cynical. He's like, there's no way God can deliver on that promise. But he did. He did. Abraham would find out not much later than this that God is true to all of his promises. He'll be true to you as well. And then very quickly, I may just tell you that each covenant, of course, is eternal. They are everlasting. There's this great word 
in this passage. We actually saw it in the last week's passage with Noah. We see it right here, this word, everlasting. Everlasting. There is this everlasting covenant, a fascinating word in Hebrew. It comes from the idea of looking at the horizon. So imagine yourself on some plain, Midwestern plain, where you can see for miles and miles and miles. You can see forever, but at some point, some point in the future, out there, there is a vanishing point where you can no longer see. Or think about standing on railroad tracks and you're looking down them, and they grow closer and closer and closer until somewhere down there, there is a point where they come together, and at that point, they vanish and they disappear. This word everlasting in Hebrew, when it refers to God, means that there is no vanishing point with God's love for you. There is no place. You cannot look far enough into the future where God will not be there. Is there some time or is there some place where God's covenant with you and me and all of his followers, is there some point on the horizon of your existence when God will not be there to love you? Not a chance. Not a chance. I will be your God forever and ever and ever. Friends, I'm so grateful that we can join in this season of Lent and this journey together and and think about it and study the concept of a covenant, of what it means to live with God in this relationship of unconditional love for us and this relationship that is everlasting. It is everlasting. Through all the pains and tears of this life, all the ways of change and decay, God's covenant of love never ends. It never ends. Now that ought to make you laugh with joy and with wonder. Amen. This is the good news which we have received, in which we stand and by which we are saved. Please rise in body or spirit and let us respond by affirming our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. At this, you may be seated. At this time, I'd like to uh, pause for just a moment for mission from one of our sponsored mi- uh, ministries here at Germantown Press. Uh, I'd like to ask uh, Mr. Judd Peters, the founder of the Rising Together Foundation, to come forward. Thank you. Uh, okay, I have to make this quick. At the last 
missions leadership team meeting, Will said I had five, uh, three to five minutes for this, and I asked him if he could just make his sermon shorter to give me a little more time, and he said, no. So, <laughs> so um, I think it's great that I get to do this on Children's Sunday. Uh, I really just love the uh, music from the piano players and the singing from the children's choir. Uh, where are Jacob and Gray? Where are Jacob and Gray? Y'all are great public speakers. Um, you got a great future in front of you, and I'm glad I'm not following you, um, and I get to follow uh, Dr. Jones. But uh, So here goes. Uh, our mission statement reads, Rising Together Foundation creates, administers, and supports programs for underserved Memphis area students de delivering academic enrichment, leadership development, and physical fitness. Rising Together introduces all participants to college, preparatory, and life skills experiences with support from personal relationships, civic exposure, and financial assistance. Youth become equipped for a lifetime of leadership and service. I want to thank you, uh, say thank you to Eddie Beatty. Um, he's been a mentor and encourager of mine for many, many years, and he helped me fine-tune that. Uh, Matthew 25 states, quote, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And I love this verse. It's what our organization is all about. For many people in our community, a good education is a way out of poverty, yet they don't receive the same opportunities um, that we received when we were their age. In Shelby County Schools, only about one-third of students are performing on grade level by the third grade, and after that, it, it gets worse and worse. For these students, their summer months look much different than ours did. Rather than develop skills and academics, they regress. Well, they call this the summer slide. And this was before the pandemic. Uh, many students in our county have not been in the classroom for almost a year now, and they need our help to recover from their significant learning loss now more than ever. Our organization was founded to to address these inequities in education and opportunity. We address them <clears throat> through our programs and camps. With our full day, three week programs, we give hope to disadvantaged students so they might have a brighter future. We engage, inform, and inspire them. When their lives improve, our commu entire community improves and benefits. Along the way, we emphasize a servant leadership as modeled by Jesus. Our belief is that when you help disadvantaged students from underserved communities, our entire community improves and is lifted up, thus our name rising together. Our strategy involves investing our resources into programming that helps disadvantaged students by partnering with organizations that already have great facilities that are often underused in the summer months. We partner with schools, churches, and other community organizations that are committing to serving uh, these students. We pay for everything related to the programs and they provide the facilities. We are having discussions right now with eight organizations, uh, schools, both independent and charter schools, uh, churches and organizations about 
uh, having programs this summer. Our goal is to have four locations serving uh, 200 to 240 students. We have two that have already said yes, and we're finalizing those plans with them. Uh, we sh should have all of this firmed up uh, by the middle of March. Uh, I said it before when I got to do this that Presbyterians prefer things in gr uh, groups of three. So today, I'm again requesting your prayers, um, people, and purse. Uh, prayers, before our camps begin, we will provide a list of all our participants so that you can pray for them each day. This is probably the most important of the three. Uh, people, if you are a teacher, and I know we have several uh, in our congregation or former teacher, we could use your help. If you just like working with youth, there are many ways you can be involved. Purse, it costs about $700 per student for our three-week full-day camps. The majority of our funds go to teachers and college students who serve as counselors and mentors to the participants. Um, and we also pay for meals and other camp su supplies. If you want to get involved in any way, just call me or email me. Uh, finally, I want to express how grateful I am for the support and encouragement from GPC and all of the members of, of our church. Uh, in the fall, during our grant challenge, we would get donations and it would come from a name that I wasn't familiar with and the only way I could identify them was through an email. So I'd try to look through the directory and every time I looked up these people that I didn't know, it was a member of our congregation. So collectively, uh, GPC and its members are our second largest group of financial supporters. And I, I just want to say thank you. The first is the Shelby County Commissioners, uh, who stepped up big for us. And I want to thank David and Patty Bradford for making that connection. When Nicole and I began attending services at GPC, we had no idea um, the things that would follow. And I'm just reminded, I see that it's in the program, that it's going to be the song later. Um, Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see. Um, all of this has been so humbling and, and encouraging at the same time. I want to thank you, uh, say a thank you to everyone in the PNO No Mo group who welcomed uh, Nicole and I from the start and really made us feel at home. This is our home now. I want to thank Susan Hornberg and the other members of the missions leadership team that made me an offer I couldn't refuse. I love meeting with them once a month and, and, and the great work that they do in our community. I want to thank Pastor Susie and uh, the members of the care committee. Uh, your under the radar work is so important to so many. Um, the entire GPC leadership team and staff uh, what you have done for the members of the congregation, uh, congregation during the pandemic is, is just incredible. Uh, while we can choose to watch services and do our daily devotionals from home in our PJs, uh, you have found creative ways to engage us virtually. Uh, I know we all long for the day that we get to come back to the sanctuary, but we know how hard it's been on some of y'all. I wanna especially thank Will uh, for his leadership and wisdom and guidance. Uh, he speaks to us uh, um, every day 
through, or God speaks through him with his teachings and writings in ways that are practical, uh, practical and easy to understand, and we really appreciate everything you do for us. If you want to get involved with Rising Together, just call me or send me an email. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Judd. Let us pray. God of covenant, you never leave us alone, nor fail to watch out for our well-being, restoring us and providing for us. Because you are faithful, we come to you now. Hear our prayers for the world you love. Loving God, we pray for the peace of the world. Give vision to those who govern that they may foster understanding. Move among us by your spirit that we may put down greed and pride and racism and oppression and build a society of trust and respect. Heal the human family of divisions and unite us in bonds of justice and peace. Compassionate God, we pray for our country and our communities in which we live and work, for people under stress or facing difficulties, for those who are afraid or hurting. We pray for those who suffer and for all those who provide care Support them with your strength and love, O oh God. We pray for those who are sick, those in prison, those who live without hope, those who are homeless or abandoned, those impacted by the storms, those who mourn, those who suffer in body or mind, those who are impoverished, without the dignities of shelter and food and medical care. Help us to respond and be present to all those in need. Surround them with your love, console them with your comfort, and give them hope. Guiding God, we pray for the churches and your faithful people gathered here in your name May we be encouraged to continue to witness together to your word and your presence. Keep us responsive to the gifts and needs of all. Inspire the whole church with your power and unity and peace. Remember your church in this place, set in this community, to light a way to your grace and truth. Guardian God, we pray for our families and those we hold dear. Uphold and protect them. Support them in times of difficulty and anxiety that they may grow in mutual understanding and love. And that in drawing close to you, they may be drawn closer to each other. Eternal and everlasting God, 
We lift to you now the prayers we hold privately, for we know that you know all things. And now, with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray as you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, as God has blessed our lives with abundant love and gifts, let us bring our tithes and our offerings and our best selves so that we may seek help for others, offer comfort and hope through Germantown Presbyterian Church. If you are worshiping with us online this morning, you can go to the online giving tab where you'll find several ways to share your gifts. If you're worshiping here in the sanctuary, you'll find the offering trays at the exit. Let us joyously give in gratitude.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we are grateful for all that you have gifted us. So we dedicate this offering to you. Bless these gifts so that they may be used for your work in the world. We ask you to use all that we have and all that we are in your service. Amen. I'll just remind our session members that we do have a new member joining at GPC at this time. I'll invite anybody on that committee to go ahead and go to the library at this time. 
and then that person will be ready to join in just a few minutes as we meet together. Dear friends, I want you to go out into this world now. Go out with that great charge from Christ our Lord. Go out to love the Lord your God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and go out to love your neighbor as yourself. And as you do, may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and dwell in your heart and in your mind forever. Amen. Thank you.